Hello. 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 Hi there. Hello and welcome to the very first Football Times podcast of 2020. Yes, we're back. We're back in the studio after a long Christmas break. It feels like it's been a while, Mr. Lee Stobbs of Match of the Day magazine. Happy New Year, Michael. How are you doing? I'm very good, You're thank right? you. Glad you? to be back at work. Yes, lots of football on, so lots to talk about. Fair. Good stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, when work is football, it's not bad. It's yeah, pretty exactly. good. Um, I am Michael Potts. I am RadioTimes.com sport editor, and we will be rounding up all of the Premier League football on TV this week and every week. Come back on Wednesdays for your for your weekly fix. Um, we'll get straight underway because we have a Friday night game. We have Friday night football. It's Sheffield United versus West Ham United. It's 8 o'clock kickoff on Sky Sports Premier League and main event. Uh, we'll start with Sheffield United. Um, I mean, is there any more we can really say about Sheffield United? They're winless in three. Um, I think we can probably let them off. Man City, Liverpool in there. Uh, and an informed Watford team they got a draw against. Um, but they're so, so balanced. Uh, I was looking at just, even just a quick look at the table shows you how balanced they've been. Seven wins, eight draws, six defeats, 23 goals, 21 conceded. It's, it's, just remarkably consistent. That's it. And their goals against column is the thing that's most impressive. Only mm. 21 goals against them. So only Leicester and Liverpool have conceded um, fewer than them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I told myself I wouldn't say they're well drilled, but they are well drilled. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. exactly what they are. I would say, though, this game is really important for them. I know they've lost two in a row. Um, and as you say, against two big teams, so it doesn't matter too much. But mm. if they lose this, their next games after this are... Um, Arsenal and City and I just think they need to be careful mm. I think if you start to lose that that'll be five games without a win if they continue to lose mm. and suddenly they might slip and all the hard work might start to become undone so I think they just need to make sure they get a good result in this game really Yeah because I mean again trying to bring some reality to the situation here we've seen teams like wasn't it Hull I think went on their blinding run to start the season yeah. we've seen Blackpool do it before we've seen a lot of teams come up um have have their initial burst of form and then it gets to this point and, and then it's just a slow decline. Maybe they don't go down, but there's always that bit of a decline. You feel like Sheffield United are a different team. They're, they're not a gung-ho, you know, they're not scoring 40 goals so far. You know, they are just grinding out the points, grinding out the wins. And like I say, that, that 21 goals conceded is, is phenomenal. That's the best stat. So I, I don't think they are a, another, you know, flash-in-the-pan outfit. But, but yeah, I agree. I think you do really have to start after Christmas yeah, in a good way. Yeah, it's got to start strong. And let's not forget, they've only won seven games. I know that's a good amount for a newly promoted side, but seven games is the same amount of games that Burnley have won, and they're in 16th. Mm. So I think all the draws have really helped them, but I just need to, I think they need to make sure that you know they don't go on a losing run because mm. it might start to unravel. Yeah, it's absolutely games like this, home games against teams in and around that relegation zone, uh, which will be could be all important by the end of the season. Uh, West Ham United... The David Moyes effect in full <laughs> flow. No, a four nil win against Bournemouth and a two nil win against Gillingham. Um, they've got a, they've got a bit of a box of fireworks to play with, haven't they? West Ham. They've got a lot of players in there who have talent. I don't I don't think the talent of a lot of their attacking stars is really in doubt. It's just getting them to play to turn up, show that talent every week. And and David Moyes so far so good. Exactly that. I think his job at the start of this was to firstly just get results, which he's done straight away. And ultimately, I think he's just made them run more. They press a lot more and they play with more intensity. Mm. Intensity. But I think the problem is um, is that you get this with new managers. You get that new manager bounce, as they call it. And um, yeah, they just need to make sure he his job now is to make sure they can maintain that. Um, he doesn't want it to be a flash in the pan just at the start of his sort of tenure. He needs to carry that on. Mm. Do 
think they need to, because they've obviously spent so much money in the last few seasons, do you think they need to spend more? Or, or do you think they have the, the sort of raw materials there for Moyes to work with? I think they've definitely got a team that can finish mid-table comfortably, mm. but I do think they need another striker. I was looking at their squad list and they've only got Haller now. He's mm. their only recognised striker really. And I think he's, he's scored six, I think, this season so far. I mean, that's not amazing but it's not bad either but I just think they need another striker like good teams especially teams down in the relegation zone you need a couple of strikers and if he's not banging them in they need someone else as well mm, Absolutely I mean they've got some you know very exciting players in there Felipe Anderson Yarmolenko who's injured at the minute you mentioned Haller Lanzini uh, Mark Noble Hatrick hero yeah. <laughs> or, or, or two goal hero he yes, was on a hat well. he was going for his Hatrick. Uh but yeah you know they, they are chipping in goals but I think I agree with you they probably need a striker if anything West, I mean West Ham always need a striker don't they I feel <laughs> like every that way, single it, yeah, yeah it's just this striker hunt every single time but um yeah, I, I think it is just about extracting more out of those players that are there and, and on a consistent basis, whether they are capable of that, I guess time will tell. Uh, prediction for this one, Mr. Stokes? I've gone for a 1-1. Yeah? Yeah. Interesting. Yep, similar. Going for a draw. I think Moyes already having an impact, but Sheffield United, not an easy team to beat. Moving swiftly on to Saturday, we have on BT Sport 1 at 12.30 kickoff, it's Crystal Palace versus Arsenal. Um as an Arsenal man, yes. you must be fairly happy. I am very happy with how things are going with Arteta. I think this is now our extended pre-season for the 2021 <laughs> season. I think you can write this season off. Yeah. I think for me personally as an Arsenal fan, I think it's just all about performances, about improving players, finding a structure. And I mean, the league's gone. We're not going to finish in the top four. I mean, mm. we might have finished in the top six as it's going. So I think you just have to try and get good performances out of the players trying to improve them and I think he's he started really well so yeah mm. happy I've watched the I watched the United game and I watched the Leeds game as well and I actually think the most impressive part of, of, of both of the games I mean I know they played very well against United they look like a transformed team that was what Arsenal can do to teams I actually I was so impressed by the um, the, the comeback the comeback against yeah. Leeds because I mean Leeds could have been 4-5 or five up in that first half yeah. they were so good and Arsenal were so poor but I love that they actually, I mean, by the end of the game with Socrates, he was charging down every mm. ball. There was that bit in the corner flag and it was all kicking off. And well, something we've lacked for so long yeah. is, is fight. And, mm-hmm. and for once, we've seen a little bit of fight. And the players are buying into what's happening um, with Arteta and the message that you're trying to get across. And that's just great to see because it's just not something we've had for a long time. Yeah, because like, like you say, I mean, results results almost don't matter if, if top four is off the table. I mean, top six would be lovely, but... Um, but yeah, results almost don't matter. And it's that fight that can actually go on and breed this mentality exactly. and change the whole culture of Arsenal, which I think is just what has been lacking since, you know, I mean, the late days of anger, you saw the lack of yeah. fight and Emery couldn't change that. The one thing I will say, though, is that Arsenal are only a few losses away from complete <laughs> meltdown, especially with the fans. So, also that. I yeah. mean, results, I wouldn't mind if results were good. Yeah. But yeah, performance is the most important thing right now where yeah. we are. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not insinuating there that uh, <laughs> losses are great. But uh, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, interesting. Note, and let's say that, that good one against Man United a couple of weeks ago a couple of clean sheets it's Mm. just looking alright isn't it really against Crystal Palace who in the top half still going on quite nicely similar to Sheffield United seven wins seven draws seven losses Uh, they've got a crippling injury list I don't know if you had a chance to look through their injury list this weekend but 12 senior players out through injury and suspension got Sako Schlup Ward Dan Townsend Milivojevic awaiting appeal (laughs) Zahar Benteke Maya Ryderwald Kamarasa and 
Patrick, I've got him PVA, <laughs> Patrick Van Anholt. Uh, apparently Ben Tech and Zaha will probably pass fitness tests, but it can't be easy losing 12 of your first play- first team players. No, it's not easy, especially when they're a team that need a win as well. I think they've won one in seven out mm. of the FA Cup. Things aren't going great. They've had a few red cards recently as well. To me, for Palace, I just think the elephant in the room is they just need to sell Zaha. Yeah. They yeah, really need to sell I him. totally agree. He's 27. His output isn't tremendous and he's actually starting to lose that part of his sort of game where you can say he's got loads of potential because at 27 he's sort of only going downhill now maybe he might reach his peak for a bit but this is probably the time now when they can command certain fee maybe around 50 million but um, Mm. they're asking for like 80 and stuff at the moment I don't think they're going to get that yeah I think I saw some like rejected a a loan bid or something from Bayern Munich which I mean that's Mm. that's bizarre that Crystal Palace are in a situation (laughs) to do that but yeah, I, I was going to say, like adding, adding his situation to the mix, I mean, he's been so desperate to leave for, for a couple of years now, yeah. or at least a couple of transfer windows. Um, Spurs linked, Chelsea linked, Bayern Munich It's linked. every window, isn't it? Yeah, you wonder, though, whether... I just wonder how much of this is agent talk, because we see clubs being linked with him for extended periods of time, mm. but has there really been... like? I think Spurs were probably the closest to getting him uh, a couple, maybe a year or so ago. But you just wonder how much interest there actually is in Zaha, because he has been poor for pretty much 2019 now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just don't I think I there really is interest. He's, he's a really exciting player, but ultimately, if, if Palace are trying to get even over 60 million, mm. clubs will look at his output and his output isn't brilliant. So yeah. they're going to have to lower their demands for him. And I think they're only going to get a certain amount of money for him for a certain amount of time now. And I think they need to sell him and reinvest smartly, because mm. otherwise... They're just going to have a you know twenty eight twenty nine year old player that's not scoring goals and he sort of lost his worth. Yeah, and if you can buy sort of two or three players exactly. for that fee, then you 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 know that's quite a frugal investment, really. Yeah. Uh, prediction for this one? I've gone for a two one Arsenal win. I think we're just going to edge it. Yeah, gone for a narrow Arsenal win. So we'll see what happens. Look forward to them doing their best to screw that one up. <laughs> uh, moving on to Saturday evening, it's a five thirty kick off on Sky Sports Premier League and main event. It's Spurs versus Liverpool, the showpiece game of the weekend. Uh, we'll start with Tottenham. Bit of an uninspiring run of form. They've limped into 2020. Mm. Uh, draw with Norwich. No, it was the narrow win over Brighton. Lost to Southampton. Drew with Middlesbrough. They were awful against Middlesbrough. Yes, I were, watched yeah. that. Uh, I think that lack of striking options. Again, like, we, like we're talking about with West Ham, only having Haller. I think once Kane is gone, it wasn't such a problem last year. They had Lorente. They had you know, Son could, mm. could fill in up there. Um, but I think they're really being found out at the minute. I think Tottenham look worse now than they looked just at the end of Pochettino's reign, to be mm. honest. I think and now they've got a midfield uh, injury crisis as well, lots of players out, so it looks like only Dyer's going to be fit from their midfield for the weekend. Yeah, But yeah, they're, they're going to lack goals. But sometimes when you have players out like Kane, sometimes the team really comes together and works harder to yeah. try and get a result. So, you know, it might have the opposite effect, but... They're playing Liverpool, and Liverpool are yeah. very good at playing football, though. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hot takes, hot takes here. <laughs> Liverpool are good at the football. They are very good at soccer. This is why we bring you down here, Stubbs. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, feel, I feel for a while they need that sort of Gabby Jesus sort of player. Yeah. Like a young, hungry, chomping at the bit player who's going to take every opportunity. And I don't really see Spurs having that. Uh, they've got a few d- good young players coming through, don't get me wrong, but... Um, just even even a Martinelli at Arsenal. Mm. Like, I really like the look of Martinelli when he, he came on the other day um, when he's played before in the Europa League. They just need that player who's going to be quite content to sit on the bench, mm. but but on the, on the rise. I think at the moment they haven't got that at the moment because Harry Kane's been so prolific over the years. Yeah. Everyone who 
potentially would come to Tottenham knows they're definitely second choice. Yeah. But then, then City have done that with Aguero, and and yet Gabi Jesus seems yeah. relatively content. But I suppose they they've been winning extent. things, haven't they? So maybe he also knows, true. but Tottenham don't. So he'd just be <laughs> true, true. Um, I think as well, fullbacks from Spurs' point of view, Vertonghen just he's not a left back, is he? Really? No, he's let's, not. let's face this. And I think once you, uh, if if you watch Vertonghen, he he plays centre. He, he almost looks like a, well, he does look like a centre back at left back. It's so mm. painfully obvious that he is a centre back. Yeah. And I think that lack of getting forward, helping you know the, the strikers, look, the the wingers ahead of him look isolated. You've got the midfield who just look overrun all the time, and I guess if you've got somebody at least patrolling up to the midfield, then that can take the pressure off them. Just think, fullbacks are such a massive need for Spurs right now. I think the best thing about Tottenham over the years was when they had Walker and Rose mm. bombing up the sides. For sure, uh, Rose has obviously gone off the boil a little bit. I think they need to really cement Cessnion as a left back, a sort of flying left back, mm. and then look at the right back position. I think they've been looking at Max Aaron's, for example, from Norwich. I think he could be. Decent, but even that would, might take a few years to really get him flying for Tottenham. Yeah, but yeah, fullback's definitely an issue. Yeah, I just think that's such a. I and mean, we're going to come on to it now with Liverpool, but we see what Liverpool can do with fullbacks, just patrolling, patrolling that left and the right side. And I just think it takes so much pressure. Uh, puts so much pressure onto you when you do just sit back as a fullback yeah. and let the team come onto you like that. And and let's say that could be some area that Liverpool really exploit. Obviously, Trent Alexander Arnold. And Robertson, probably the two best yeah. in the league at that. All the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, big shout out to Liverpool's under fives for their <laughs> marvellous <laughs> FA Cup win. Absolutely love scenes like that. Everton fans, oh my word. Yeah. Um, we'll come back to you next time when you're on TV, but my word, that was not fun. Um, yeah, Liverpool defending very well at the moment. Yeah, I think, is it eight clean sheets in ten, I think? Let's Something go with like that. that. And the scary thing is, is they're only getting better. They're, how many points are they ahead now? Maybe 21 mm. if they win their game in hand over City. It's unbelievable. Um, they're just very good. Very, very, very good. And they're so good. I, I've noticed that if you add Arsenal and Tottenham's points together, <laughs> they'll still be in second. Oh, crap. And Liverpool will still be one point ahead. That's how good Liverpool are. That is ridiculous. I, I saw a stat, it was over Christmas, I think, and I saw the stats saying that their last 28 games would have won the Premier League in six different years. Wow. Okay. So with 10 games to spare, yeah. they would have won the league. That's just a ridiculous stat. Um, yeah, I mean, this is their title. This is their season. They're not going to drop this. They're not going to bottle this. The it's real fine. test is when the Champions League games come back in because the fixtures sure. stop piling up. But see yeah. how that goes. I think a big plus as well for Liverpool, mention Alisson. Um, I think... We obviously we we all go to Van Dyke, we all go to the fullbacks, etc. Joe Gomez really like Joe Gomez, and shout out to Gomez as well for being the experienced one in yeah, that Liverpool team yeah. of the day. I think that's a really good test for him. Um, but Allison, he obviously got injured for a while. They had Adrian coming in into the team, etc. Looked at his Premier League record this season, and uh, he basically conceded one in six games consecutively. Got sent off. Suspended for the Everton game, that 5-2. And he's got five clean sheets in a row since then. So he's only conceded six in the Premier League this season. And, and just having that base to build on is, I mean, straight away, it's, it's a good start for you, isn't it, really? Um, massive difference to the teams and massive difference to the team uh, because teams were actually finding a way past when, when he wasn't there. That's exactly right. He's arguably the best keeper in the world and they miss him, but yeah. Absolutely. Um, prediction for this one. I think it's going to be a 3-0 to Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. gone 2-0, but yeah, not good if you're a Spurs fan, <laughs> uh, Mr. Timothy Glanfield. Uh, um, 
Bournemouth versus Watford. It's the first game on Super Sunday. It's on Sky Sports Premier League and main event. It's a two o'clock kickoff. We'll start with Bournemouth, but I mean both these sides going in very different up uh, directions mm. right now. Start with Bournemouth. Eddie Howe, immense pressure on him, surely now. You wouldn't have thought that, would you? Like maybe this time last season, mm. but I think just the Bournemouth players just ran out of steam a little bit. Yeah. I think ultimately with teams like Bournemouth, these sort of mid-table teams, I think these players have a bit of a cycle and I think they're coming to the end of their cycle. They've been playing mm. above themselves for, for a period of time and I think it just needs freshening up a little bit. Mm. It's, it's a strange one because, I, I mean, so I didn't, I'm not going to say I predicted any sort of relegation form coming, but I've not been totally sold by how in general and, and mm. Bournemouth. Just think the last couple of years, they've spent a lot of money. It's over 200 yeah, million they have. they've spent since they came to the Premier League and I just I don't really see 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 that on the so pitch you don't see the results and that's a little bit um, under the radar how much they've spent as well yeah phenomenal I mean they've picked up players like Wilson and, and King for relatively cheap um, mm. but they still somehow spent and I just don't see where they've invested I know Lerma was probably about 30 million I don't quite know what's going on with him um, Mings Mings mm. cost them a fair bit back in the day Atke has cost them a fair bit and I just think for, for 16th, 9th, 12th, 14th and currently 18th place finishes, I just wonder whether Howe could have, one, invested that a lot more wisely, whether he's got the team behind him to do that, and whether he can actually whether he can actually motivate that team to perform to their levels. I think they've got the players to get out of it. I think it just depends where the Bournemouth want to be. Like what is mm. You mentioned there all their positions over the past few seasons, but... What position are they happy to be? I think they are a sort of lower mid-table team. Mm. This is the first time they've truly been like sucked into a bit of a battle. So we'll see how they respond now. Yeah, I just wonder that. It, it like, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's that next. Le- <laughs> don't say next level. Don't say next <laughs> level. It's just about finding that next level, isn't it, with Bournemouth? <laughs> yes. But yeah, obviously a bit of a struggle, and no manager is immune to to that. Obviously, he's done a phenomenal job taking them to this level, but could be an interesting end of the year for them. Uh, moving on to Watford with Big Nige <laughs> knocking it out of the park. Uh, a win would take Watford remarkably above Bournemouth and, and could even go out of, the, out of the relegation zone. Do you see any of that coming? I did not see that coming. And the last time Nigel Pearson dragged a team out of the relegation zone, that team went on to win the league next year. So just yeah. saying what fans <laughs> get excited. 5,000 to 1. I've also got something exciting for Watford fans. And you could not say that a lot this season about Watford. But um, in 2017, a young Brazilian from Fluminense, Richarlison, started his first ever game for Watford away at Bournemouth and scored, and they won. And this time around, they've got another highly rated youngster, Yao Pedro, who's maybe going to get a start. So... Could history repeat itself? Bournemouth fans, why bother turning up when you've got sta- <laughs> when you've got history, all of history against <laughs> exactly. you like this? That's what matters. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Watford they should have beaten Liverpool back when you know during Pearson's first game. They really should have beaten them. They beat Man United. Uh, that's not really a mean feat at the minute, though. <laughs> Drew Sheffield United, Thrash Villa, beat Wolves, and then threw away a three-goal lead at Tranmere at the weekend. But we'll skip over that one. Yes. We'll put that to, under the anomaly category for now. <laughs> Um, what I like about Watford, they're they're so aggressive. They're so, I mean, I mean that's resulted in three red cards in three games. But they are such an aggressive streetwise team. I, I noticed that when they played against Norwich a little while back, somehow I ended up watching that game, and they just seem to bully teams a lot. And I think Pearson's like really bringing that out of them, and and they they have that mean streak that maybe the likes of Bournemouth lack. 
Yeah, and also Deeney's come back into it, which he kind of epitomises maybe what Pearson's after. Mm. He's come back into the fold at a good time for Pearson, actually, because I don't know who he would have played, really, because Gray wasn't doing too well. Yeah. Um, so that's really helped. And Saar coming into form has helped as well. Another goal threat from the from the wing. Sure. So. And Delefeo as well. Obviously, yeah. we know he's a bit of a patchy player, but he certainly has the talent if he can produce that every week. Uh, prediction for this one? I've gone for a 2-1 Watford win. Yeah, similar. We need, some, we need to disagree on some of these. <laughs> I'm just going to go with whatever you don't say in the next one. Uh, and the final game of the weekend on TV is Aston Villa versus Manchester City. It's a 4.30 kickoff on Sunday. It's on Sky Sports Premier League and main event. No Monday Night Football this week. No Monday Night Football. Uh, Aston Villa, Man City. Should we start with Villa? Um, very hard to pin down as a team. Villa can't decide whether they're good or bad. Yeah. <laughs> they, they literally win or lose. They hardly ever draw. Mm. And um, I just think I worry for them now a little bit. Their spine's been ripped out with a few injuries from Wesley, Heaton and McGinn. Mm. And I think it all hinges. Their, their relegation fight all hinges on this transfer window. I mean, it's, you don't like to say that about a team, but when mm. you get three key players like that of that calibre... Of, of that importance to the team taken out it really depends on who they get in now yeah I feel like they're a very good match of the day side this is sort of how occasionally a side comes along like this I'm going to put Villa in that category where we don't watch them 90 minutes every week there's very few, you know it'd be the, the Villa fans who actually do that but so when what we see is McGinn firing in 30 yarders we see her his free kicks we see Grealish doing just doing bits every week but these are the highlights, and that's not across 90 minutes. So, so for me, I think they're a very good side, hard done by, and should have more points on the board. Mm. But obviously, I think if, you, if you're watching the full picture, there's obviously a spark lacking there and quality lacking there. The performances are just quite erratic, aren't they? They just need more consistency. Yeah. They're nice on the highlights reel, but they need to do it for 90 minutes most games. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, spent a lot of money in the summer. Uh, looks like they're going to have to spend a little bit, as you alluded to there. Wesley injured for, for nine months, I think it was. Yeah. Big, big blow for them there. Um, I'd love to see them. It's not going to happen. I'd love to see them go for big Oli Giroud. I really want that to happen as I'm well. I'm such a Giroud fanboy. I, I <laughs> want to see Giroud and Grealish because Giroud had a really good relationship with Wilshire at Arsenal and I think mm. Grealish is almost, well, he's a better player than Wilshire and he's kind of in that mould so I think mm. that could really work for him. Yeah, I just think Giroud knocking, it's it's a bit like what Wesley was brought in to do, just knocking them down yeah. for those attack midfielders behind and I just think Giroud is so good at that. He's just got really big wages, it's just whether mm. Villa are Willing to pay, I think he's on 110,000 a week. So it's, I don't yeah. think Villa pay anyone that, so it depends yeah. whether they're going to sort of break their structure. I think he was linked to Newcastle the other day and they just said he wanted European football, which I guess is fair enough for, yeah. for Giroud, who's only played European football in uh, in England. But He's playing no football at the moment, though, so he's just it would be played nice football. To play for Premier League football. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, cut your losses, Giroud. Cut your, <laughs> cut your losses, Oliver. Exactly that. Uh, moving on to Manchester City. Um, I've had. Is this a worthwhile start? Yeah, I'm going to go with it is. <laughs> Manchester City this season, they've, they were unbeaten in five, lost, unbeaten in five, lost, unbeaten in six, lost, unbeaten in four, lost, four, lost, four, lost, four, lost. <laughs> There's a pattern of motion four. here. <laughs> they're due. They're due a defeat. Ooh, no. it, it's in, uh, it is interesting because I, I think Man City haven't had a bad run of form all year. They haven't, you know, gone, they've not lost consecutively. They haven't even, they've barely even drawn. I mean, I think the last few weeks they've maybe drawn a few, but um, there's very rare they would get any, you know, they'd go more than a week without a win. And it's, it's very hard to pick fault with Man City this season. And yet they are where they are. 
you know, being blown away by Liverpool. There's just been a few daft results here and there, hasn't it? Like yeah. you say, like bits and bobs. But I think the pressure's off City now. I think they're they're out of the title race. As I say, if Liverpool win their game in hand, they're going to be 21 points behind. So I think now the pressure's off them. I think you'll probably see Pep sort of exploring a few new tactics and formations and mm. kind of start to see a rebuild for next season. Um, a lot more focus will be in Europe, I imagine, uh, and mm. domestic cups. Uh, but yeah, I think they're comfortably finished in the top four. So now I think the pressure's off. I think they'll comfortably win this game. Mm. I think I've seen Phil Foden more than I have for a while. Yeah. Uh, I wonder whether he's trying to blood him in ahead of David Silva. Obviously, that's going to be the yeah. uh, the big summer storyline for City, I guess, replacing David Silva. Will they go with Foden? Will they invest heavily in somebody else? I'd, I'd love to see them go with Foden. But. Did you see that video of Fernandine, of um, Mores, um saying that Fernandinho is going to leave? Did you see that? I didn't. I heard about... I heard. Pep's in some... Okay, there was, there was it, a quiz question that was on YouTube and um, so I think the interviewer asked Mares which player in Man City squad has said they're going to leave at the end of the season and he looked over to, I can't remember who he was with, I think it was Mendy, and he said, is it Silva or is it Fernandinho? And then uh, Mendy looked at Mares like, you just revealed something. <laughs> oh man. So if Fernandinho goes as well, they really do need to rebuild because he's really important to them. Yeah, and they're probably still not signing a centre-back even when Fernandinho <laughs> no. goes, so no. who knows? Um, I'd love to see him go for a big centre-back this, this summer though. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know who Koulibaly maybe some, yeah. somebody of that mould I think they need in there I mean they still need to replace Vincent Company but <laughs> another time uh, yeah for this one Manchester City I can't really see past them can we no I've gone for a 4-0 fair I mean yeah let's go for that uh, moving swiftly on to fantasy Premier League tips I have finally given in good people I have got Danny Ings in my team <laughs> about time he won't score now, now oh my I know no I was going to say so my tip is don't put Danny Ings in because I've completely cursed him uh, yeah, Harry Kane got injured. I just went straight for Ings for Kane. A lot of money left in the bank. Um, I just didn't fancy his fixtures, but he's just scoring against every team he plays yeah, against. He I just can't. If someone's going to score Southampton, it's Danny Ings. Yeah, so. yeah, fair enough. Um, I've also I've also made I made a second choice, and I've gone Allison for Nick Pope. So Burnley have a lot of tough fixtures. Burnley just generally a bit of a yeah. Yeah, they're all a bit mere, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. Um, never usually go for an expensive keeper, but Alisson, that remarkable record. Um, Tottenham and United up next, which looks scary on the little fixture, the little red box of doom. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, Man United and Spurs, they're n- they're neither of them are in, in great form. And then they've got a fantastic run of games after that, Liverpool. Um, also quite like Watford defensively. Ben Foster could okay. be a shout, less than five million. Three clean sheets in six. He's been their player of the season this year, I think. Absolutely. Any shouts? I've got three picks for you. I've got Calvert-Lewin, yes. 5.9 million. I think he's a cheap option for your for your strike partnership. He's got 20 points in three games and got some favourable fixtures coming up. Mm. Hopefully um, against the under fours of all the teams <laughs> coming up. Sorry. I've got Adama Traore, um, 5.6 million. I think he's cheap and informed. So if you want a fifth midfielder and you're looking to pay your bench boost, he's a sort of player to have on your bench and he might do well. Yeah. Um, and my last pick is Joe Gomez. I was trying to save some money in my defence, so I've just... Liverpool keep loads of clean sheets mm. um, and he's their cheapest defender, so... Fair shout. And mm. Liverpool as well. They've got coming up their double game week. Uh-huh. Uh, they have West Ham and Wolves, I believe, both away, but both in the same week. Could be an interesting one to look out for. I think it's in week 24. Don't quote me on <laughs> that one. Uh, what's coming up in Match of the Day magazine this week, Mr. This Stubbs? week, we have 20 reasons why we are buzzing for 2020. I like it. I see what we did there. Yeah. We have two packs of match tax cards and, wait for it, we've got a world exclusive interview with Kevin De Bruyne. Nice. Yes. Nice. Who, who chatted to Kevin De Bruyne? I did. Oh, yeah. fair play. Nice Very man. Interesting man. 
Yes. Very good. Did he uh, Did he not make you? Did he slide a pass through? Did no, he? There, there was nothing like that happening. <laughs> I wouldn't let him do that. Fair. Uh, yeah, I mean, of course. We, we believe in you, he stops. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for joining me in the studio, sir. And thank you very much for listening. We'll be back every Wednesday with Football Times podcast. If you can't wait until then, radiotimes.com slash sport has all of your sporting previews for football, for a bit of tennis coming up. We've got the Australian Open soon. Uh, we've got your previews for everything. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks for listening. 